0: oh all right there you go boom um yeah man i mean doing something that lights you up you know fills that cup and just makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning um you know what else would you want to be doing you know like it doing shit that just drains you uh it's just a drag you know 24 hours just goes so slowly and then when you do shit that you end up liking or loving or it's your passion or you're just interacting with those people. You find that you have so much more energy, right? And uh, that's me with coaching. Like if if I can coach sun up, sun down, and I'm I'm fired up, I'm pumping. You know, joints might be hurting. You know, because you're always just running around like a headless chicken. But you know, there's there's those adverse times where it's like, oh, you know, I'm kind of laboring or pick and packing or working in a news newsagent's or something. You are checking the clock every five minutes. You know, it's it's only been five minutes feels like it's been five hours you know and just life's too short man do something you love
1: that's it that's it and when you're doing something you love something with you know meaning and passion behind it time just flies like that
0: fuck yeah
1: you don't have to think about it and like for example when i'm speaking when i'm running workshops and i do my stuff live it's like just time goes by without me knowing yeah and before i know it time's up and Right, We're gonna wrap up and <laughs> close the session and all that stuff. It's something magical when you're doing something you love and you become so present. It's like a state of meditation.
0: Yeah.
1: You're, there's no conscious thought going on. It's just you're so present. So in the moment, you, you're in your heart space. You're operating from that level. Your intuition is just firing, and it's yeah, cool stuff happens.
0: It's that flow state, right? Mm. Yeah, man. And it's it's um, I find it very fascinating of how. Paths end up crossing, and you meet people that you should be meeting in those times, right? Like if you're doing something and just head down and be like, you know what, this is who I am. This is what I should be doing for at least now, right? And this is what I'm gonna be go doing. You meet all these fantastic and amazing human beings that just end up benefiting you, and you know it's the same same the other way around, right? Like doing shit that Absolutely. you probably shouldn't be doing. You know you got you've had the uh the vice grab hold of you too hard and. You meet some people that you probably shouldn't have met.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Although life has a magical way of just handing you what you need at the right time, whether you're not doing the quote-unquote right thing or yeah. you are doing what you love, what you're passionate about, what your just intuitions driving you to do. Life will throw people, experiences, things in your path, in order for you to learn something, see something. Yeah. Have a new experience, opportunity, whatever it may be. Though what I find is when you're living in alignment with your values, who you really are, man, does life unfold beautifully.
0: Mm. So I feel like I've got so many questions I want to ask you. But first off, let's just—I wanna i want to know your story, brother. You know, let's. I'm going to give you the microphone. I'm going to shut up, and let's let's hear this this wonderful story, man.
1: <laughs> For sure, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm um, so. Uh, I, um, I mean, everything in my story is like very mental health focused and related. And I'm a very analytical person as it is. And I started when I was 12. I mean, just, you know, it, like just really questioning myself. Like I was asking existential questions, man. Like, you know, what's the meaning of my life? And you know, at 12, that's a hard question to answer. So I asked myself another one. Well, if, um, you know, if I was gone and dead, would anything actually change or be different? And again, hard to answer when you're alive. So I try to figure out if I was actually of, of any value, if I really was anyone in the world. And you know, that you know, gave me an answer because I was, I was young. I was 12, lived at home with my parents. It, it didn't really mean much, at least mm. like, from what I could see because I, I didn't have a job. I was just sort of taking up space. Mm. So if I wasn't here, no, nothing would be different. Uh, there's just been more space for someone else who has more meaning and purpose in life. And yeah, that ultimately meant that my life meant nothing. And so I yeah, I grappled and held on to this definition that I was worthless. Mm. And that's how I, I I I would label myself to myself. I wouldn't say share this with yeah, anyone else. I mean this really upset me and no one spoke about their emotions. And so <laughs> Why was I going to? I mean, it was not long after that that I started dabbling in drugs. I mean, I got lost in that world for quite a while. But thankfully, my um my first girlfriend uh, that I had when I was 13, she um actually got me out of that whole world, well, the whole dealing, and all that stuff, man. But then I became obsessed with other vices. Now, one thing we were speaking at earlier on hope, meaning, purpose, right? The, there's one word in there that's really significant for me with everything that I do. It's meaning. And something that looks good on the outside doesn't always mean it is good. It's like the difference was between me saying, hey, you know, like, I genuinely appreciate you, Alex, versus, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I I appreciate you, Alex. Mm-hmm. Like, there's context behind everything. And also context behind actions. And I started going to the gym. I was 14, you know, coming off coke, I was extremely skinny. Extremely skinny. And, you know, everyone in my life, especially my family, were just concerned about me growing up, you know, half Greek, half Maltese. It was always about the food, the food, the food, <laughs> and eating as much as possible. But I um, I wasn't eating. I, I, I just, yeah. And I didn't like how I looked. And so I started, you know, I went to the gym to bulk up and I went to the gym. I made some significant progress. Jesus. I mean, like I was by far the biggest kid in my grade, most ripped, all that stuff. And I had this ego, man, like everyone was validating me from the outside. Mm -hmm. And so in my own mind, I was just, I sort of just took it on. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm a big guy sort of thing. Keeping in mind, everything I was doing came from insecurity. Come the start of year 10, I'm, I'm now, how old, 15. And I, man, like, people started questioning if I was on steroids. Like, and I, I, I just kept training and eating and training and eating. I, I started, man, in eight months, I put on 30 kilos and four months dropped 20 of it, all for this one photo. And, man, like, I had this vision, right, for a solid year. I knew exactly what this photo was going to look like. I was going to be topless, ripped, huge, and at the very end of um 2015 i got that photo posted the camera my sister took the photo and yeah we, we posted it, well i posted it online none of this is her fault it's all what i wanted to do and um yeah it's funny on the outside i looked perfect man like at 16 right i mean man like, ripped muscular all this stuff and you know all the attention in the world everyone believed that i was doing well you know all the likes the comments girls inboxing me friend requests yada 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 everything that, like a 16 year old want, right <laughs> and it's funny how, on the outside everything can seem so perfect that a week later i felt like my only answer to all these You know, things that were on the back of my mind the whole time for the last four years. Those thoughts of feeling worthless were still there. That no matter how good I looked on the outside, nah, the only answer to all this pain was to end my own life. I threw myself 35 meters and... Yeah. Two weeks later, I woke up in hospital. And it was, you know different man you know because mentally I was in the same place if anything amplified because how I was feeling was only just exacerbated for the fact that I'd failed but not only did I fail at trying to end my own life the only thing I wanted to do for four years I woke up with everything below my rib cage I mean everything with no sensation and no function I couldn't even sit up. My abs weren't working. Couldn't fuel or function my legs. And it affected other things as well. And, you know, if I was worthless beforehand, I mean, apathetic am I now for the fact that I'd failed? I mean, one thing I just, yeah, really wanted to do. But man, I, let's just say, I was very blessed. I had the right people in my life. The right, like, just things just came my way. We were talking earlier about, you know, living in alignment, how things have just come to you. Man, I'm surprised. Uh, Because the reason I sort of shared that earlier is because, you know, I was resisting everything in terms of all the supports. I refused my antidepressants, all this stuff. And, you know, seeing psychologists all the time, continuously lying to them, lying to everyone around me. You know, people would always want to ask, you know, what happened to you? Why are in the wheelchair? You're 16. You know, people in the ward, people that came to visit, you know, some of my friends and some of them didn't know, but um, even complete strangers. <laughs> yeah, and I always said the same thing. I, you know, had an accident. And four months into my hospital stay, I was out with my mum and, you know, got some piercings that day. And <laughs> I, I, I used to love piercings at the time, man. And uh, yeah, he, sorry, my mom <laughs> said we should probably get going back. So I got a physio appointment and we got on the train and man, like halfway through the trip, this guy comes on. He's a <laughs> just, what's the word? Just no filter, blasé, just <laughs> real bogans. You <laughs> call them bogans, you guys probably call them rednecks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just that <laughs> real sort of out there personality, man. He comes on the train and just, before he even sits down, and she looks at me, he's like, what what did you do to yourself? And I think it's like, spiteful tone. And, dude, I I don't know if it was a mixture of just him being abrupt, but also me, like, you know, the new piercings feeling like, you know, got a bit of a strut in my step, so to speak. (laughs) I just said, for the first time, I attempted suicide. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and he laughed at me. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, that was pretty fucking stupid, wasn't it? (laughs) And man, it's got, yeah, like I said, no filter. And the reason I brought up the whole, no matter where you're at, life just tends to throw the right people, things, experiences, whatever, in your path, in your journey. I really think this guy was something significant for me because, you know, the next morning, I woke up with a sense of lightness. And yeah i mean I don't, I don't know what it was but i just it's like intuitively i just went to my social worker i didn't even think about it and i shared with her like what was you know how i was feeling what happened with the guy on the train and all that stuff and she's like hey matt maybe it was a sign mm. and i'm like what are you talking about and she's like i don't know you've been what lying to people for four months what if you were to open up to the people close to you in life could you potentially strengthen the relationship you already have with them? Mm. And I can't just say, man, like, I, I, I did not want to hear that. Like And like that really pissed me off. And I left the room and I just, you know, I, was, I kept thinking to myself, I mean, why would she say that? Why would she say that? And that, that afternoon, my girlfriend, the same one I had when I was 13, by the way, she was still with me at the time. And she visited, and for some reason, when she said, How are you? It just came out like that. Yeah, I mean, just how I lied to her for all these years. I apologized for all the pain I'd put her through. I could see just how much I was eating her alive. Man, she was visiting me like every day. And, you know, that photo I was talking about earlier, like the topless one of me, you know, I pulled out my phone like, I, pu- I pulled it up. I was like, what are you doing? Like, this was who I was. Why are you still with me? Like, I'm half a man now. Like, what are you doing? And uh, man, like, yeah, that, that that was a really emotional moment for me. But man, she, she just said, look, Matt, you're right. You had all the muscles, you looked great. So I've never seen a bigger man in front of me. And I've never felt closer to you than now. And man, those like it's just man, it still tracks me up to this day. Mm. Because this was the one thing I didn't do before my injury. Right i just been refusing to share with anyone about how I was feeling. I kept things all to myself after my injuries. Same thing had, had happened. And that guy on the train, just he's out there, blase, whatever you want to call it, persona, attitude, personality, whatever. I just got it out of me. That was a catalyst for me to actually share with my girlfriend at the time and then I became closer with her I came closer with some of my mates by actually being open with them and even my parents and so I had a supportive network around me but it was at the end of that year when um, the same social worker asked me to come back to the hospital for a meeting and she offered me an opportunity to share my story and a few months later was when I started and you know man it's funny how they look like, you've probably heard this saying before, what we resist persists, all that stuff, thing, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, I never wanted to, like, I never liked talking. I was always a very closed off person, but there was this side of me when she asked me that question. It was like, what if you could help people, man? Like, how would that feel? Like, like, that was a thought that came to myself. And man, like, it's like, before I said no, I just said yes, <laughs> without even thinking. And when I shared for the first time, man, it was... The scariest thing, I mean, it was like all eyes on me, like just me just sharing my most vulnerable side with strangers. And they came up to me and thanked me. Said it inspired them, some said they want to help their friends. And that was the biggest thing for me at the time because after I left that room and I was by myself, man, I was in tears because for the first time I thought maybe I'm not worthless and maybe I'm actually like so- someone of like value. Maybe I-, I actually can contribute to others. You know, I um kept on that path of just sharing my story at the time. And then later down the track was like, no, I want to do more than this. I want to facilitate workshops, I actually invite people into an experience where they can, not only see themselves, but see how they can support others, see how they can support them, themselves, and also have a supportive network. That was within high schools. and then it branched out into the corporate space as well because there's such a need not only for connection and mental health but also mental strength, resilience. and that's a whole other topic that I I, I, I started diving into and really started applying to my life. You know going back into things that I love, like going to the gym, Changing the context, though, no longer doing it for insecurity, but now doing it to reach some goals. Using mental strength in other areas of my life and resilience and basically coming to a point where I can now say with absolute conviction, bro, I am truly happy. I'm no longer depressed, anxious, or suicidal. Do I still get down? I mean, yeah, I get bad days. I'm still human. But I wouldn't change a thing in my past. Because
0: it hadn't all it had happened, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Bro, I, I I thank you for, for sharing that with me, man. Man, I um it's my
1: pleasure.
0: That's been, uh great. that's really powerful, man. You know, like you touched on you touched on a couple of things there that really really resonated and really hit home of the first one was compliments of an external feature and that's something that i think we all fall victim to right and whether it's a learnt behavior or whether it's innate within us i'm not sure i'll leave that to the uh the brainiacs and the scientists right um but it's so true we do you know we we chase after that next frill right and once that frill starts dwindling and diminishing then we discard it and chuck it away and then go to the next one and that ultimately means people and that also means those people bring baggage with them you know and then we complain everybody's got baggage you're like yes because we're doing it to each other and we're also doing it to ourselves right
1: Mm. and then absolutely
0: i want to ask what's your purpose after all that what is your purpose
1: my purpose is to influence meaningful change in other people's lives. Meaningful because it has to hit home for them, it has to, you know, resonate with them deeply. And in order for that to come about brings about beautiful change. Mm. And when you touched on just, you know, that external validation, man, it I, I believe... To some degree, we all have that. Yeah. To some degree, it's not like it's not good or bad. It's just okay. Well, how extreme is it, and how much are you like actually thinking about it? Because the and it it relates to purpose quite a lot. Because when we're in our purpose, when when we're truly fulfilling our mission, doing what's meaningful to us, what's you know what's meaningfully driving us. It's all about someone else, other people, focusing on what they need, how we can contribute, and add value to them, rather than what's in it for me and how am I looking right now? Because if you're worried about yourself, you know how you're looking, how you're looking, what other people are thinking of me, your eyes are on you, your eyes aren't on other people. And so, when we come from a place of meaning and purpose, I believe honestly, it starts to diminish mental health struggles yeah when you have depression and anxiety like you know this is a kind of controversial thing to say your eyes are on you in that moment when you when you are feeling those ways more times than not it will, when we're in that headspace depression and feeling depressed are two different things when someone's someone has depression typically their mindset is about them their headspace is internal it's look, looking reflecting on them but when we look outside of us and have our attention on how we can add value to others especially in a way that's meaningful to us coming from a purposeful place adding value to others but also taking that attention away from us and onto other people imagine mm-hmm. for in a world where we didn't care what we looked and what other people thought of us <laughs> man how different would we function as a society how much further would society be as a result?
0: Yeah, I think I think we fall to the trap of men having to provide something and then their value is in what they provide rather than who it comes from. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I kind of ponder with a lot and I think it's also the same point for females as well, because it's like, oh, females have got to provide looks. And I'm talking stereotypically, you know, obviously this is not always the case and I do not agree with it, but I'm talking stereotypically here. Females have got to provide the looks, lads have got to provide the goods, right? But that that's, I think we've fallen at the first hurdle We're we're focusing on what's, on the table rather than who's sat in a seat. And I think if we actually dive into, and first of all, I think we need to understand ourselves before we can start to understand the world and the people around us. So we need to have that hard conversation with ourselves and that's going to get ugly and you're going to end up hating yourself and you're going to have to start, pardon the the very poorly timed pun, but you're going to have to start killing part of yourself. Like There's going to be parts of yourself that you're just going to have to rip up and be like, you're not allowed to see the light of day no more because Mm. that's just going to keep me in where I was and I no longer want to be there. But if you start to Mm. understand yourself and then you see people, what's within their eyes, not just the reflection of yourself, right? And I think that is the point. I think that's how we do it. I think to ask questions, not just to respond, but to understand. You know, who is who is this in front of me? Never, no, Not just, okay, on to the next one, on to the next one, on to the next one. And it's difficult, right? Because we live in an instant gratification world of where our attention span is what? Three seconds? Two seconds? You know, it used to be seven. There you go. Like, it used to be seven seconds, our attention span. Now it's frigging it's two, three, right? It's like, what happened there? You know, what do I... Oh, I don't really... This is... We had a hard conversation with this chick. Oh, what do I do? I swipe one way, you know. And it's everything is okay. Next thing, next thing, next thing. Where's the comfort? Where's the comfort? And I think we have to purposely place suffering on ourselves. And I'm not talking on a sadistic manner. I'm talking you got to do the hard things. You got to earn the right. You got to earn the right to be comfortable. You got to earn that right. And we got to understand who we are rather than just scratching the surface of just like oh yeah it looks pretty and then that's it
1: this is the thing like you, you, you touched on the instant gratification like society that we live in I mean we can all point a finger at social media for that and so the, the the way I look at it is like what you were talking about earlier like girls provide the looks guys provide the goods like supply the goods like as the stereotypes right if we get focused in on that and like let's talk from the like, men providing the goods, right? Because we're both men here. If yep. you get caught up in the metrics of how much money you're earning, you know, what what, what your title is, your position, um, how much money you made, uh, whatever, right? These metrics, you're essentially a, a teenager who's focusing on how many, or whoever focusing on how many likes they get on Facebook, hmm. focusing on the metrics, rather than if you come from a meaningful place, What's the measure? What's the metric for that? Well, how much meaning do you? How, how, for, how much does it align with you? And it either aligns or it doesn't. And so now it's black and white. It's clear. It's night and day. It's no longer gray. And now open to uh, comparison. Oh, you know, I make six figures, but Joey's making seven. i <laughs> I'm. What am I doing? I'm not good enough, but I'm CFO. But he's a CEO of his company. His company has sixty-five thousand employees. Mine only has twenty. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like we get out of that. We get out of that space of measuring those metrics and applying out. So just living in alignment with our values by applying that doesn't matter what other people are doing. Doesn't matter what how, what other people are achieving. We're now living a meaningful life. And when we live a meaningful life, does it really matter? No, it doesn't. Because You should wake up every day inspired. You have fulfillment throughout your days and you're providing value to other people in a way that's <laughs> obviously you're resonating with. And if you ask me the most deep and meaningful way we can contribute and add value to others, the place we can come from in terms of purpose, when I say it, the deepest way we can have purpose is to... Contribute to others in ways that once ailed us. Mm. For example, me, I'm now facilitating workshops. I call them mental fitness workshops. Because before my injury, that's one thing I didn't have. So when I go into a high school, I'm providing them with an, an experience, an opportunity to tap into the one thing that I didn't do before my injury. Speak up. Supporting others, supporting yourself, having a supportive network. I didn't do those things. I didn't have those things before my injury, because I'm providing that now to young people. That's provided me with a, a, such a level of fulfillment because I'm coming from a place that I understand from my personal experience. We all have a story. We all have experiences that relate to us. Trauma is not something to compare. It's all relative. It doesn't, have, doesn't mean your your purpose has to come from trauma, but. If you are someone who is traumatized, who has had adversity and has had struggles, you've really got a gift. And you can use your adversity to your advantage. I really believe everyone can. Yeah, me too. by providing ways, pr- providing value from a place that once ailed you, there would be nothing more fulfilling. Because now you're knowing, you know what that pain feels like, but knowing you're helping other people out of that place, man, what more could you do for the world? It's like life gave you that, obstacle (laughs) so you were able to provide that remedy for other people
0: yeah that's really special man you know it's like being the leader that you uh you needed when you were younger or the role model you needed when you were younger right and i think that's um that's a very special gift man you know it's a lot of responsibility and i think i think responsibility ages a person not suffering um Mm. So I think you need to take yourself out and look after yourself a lot more when you, when you have that weight on your shoulders, so to speak. Um, and I think that's a, a very interesting point towards males and towards single mothers, right? Of they always put themselves last and take all the responsibility on themselves. You know, the person carrying the most load should not eat the least right Mm. like okay it might it might work out for a time but then you're eventually going to break you know it's just it it's simple um so i think i think taking on responsibility is a gift i think it's uh it's such a privilege but i'm also quite interested of okay we now need to fill up our cup so then we can go pour it into someone else's
1: you can't pour from an empty cup.
0: Yeah, man. You know, of course, of course. Bro, I got three questions. Please. What's the greatest piece of life advice you've ever received?
1: I've never thought about this. But, and, and, and like, it, it's okay. There the are two things floating my mind. There's one that's very gray and vague and applies to many different things, it's follow your heart. Yeah. So I mean obviously that's related to what I talked about earlier everything that's meaningful. Though then the other best thing is the book that I've read it's one of the first books I read the power of now. That book transformed my life. Is and what's the life advice? Be. That's it. Just be. <laughs> Just be.
0: Mm-hmm. I think um I think not a lot of people in the modern world possess the ability to just be.
1: It's the hardest thing to do in today's society, unfortunately, but is the most... I would say it's one of the most powerful tools.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the most soulful, fulfilling ways to help yourself. Um, especially in a time of turmoil, you know, traumatic relapse, mental illness, however you want to call it, whatever you're going through. I think learning that is a really powerful tool in whatever way it means that, you know, you have to get there. It doesn't really matter. We all have our own way to skin that cat, right? But learning to just be is a very important tool.
1: Mm, yeah when you ask me what the most important piece of advice i've ever received is the reason i brought those two things up was because they're directly related as well if we're able to follow our heart we're really just being who we really are and by just being (laughs) so much else is going to unfold as a result anyways i'm really rambling but (laughs) no
0: no 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 real time mate real time real people that's That's all this is ever going to be, man, you know. Um, What's the worst piece of life advice you've ever received?
1: Now, I'm going to need to provide a little bit of context to this. Listen to your elders. Mm. Now, there is a place where that is very, very, very relevant. Yes, listen to your parents. Absolutely. Listen to everyone. But don't just follow blindly. Yeah. Have enough skill. There is a skill to think about things for yourself. We live in a society now, you know, like where we have the algorithm that feeds us exactly what we want to hear all the time, whether it be our political views, religious views, media we like to consume, um, whatever and you're not know, going down going down the political route how how often do you see or hear people saying you know oh like you know i've done my research done my research I've, done, I've seen this but they're only watching like two different youtube channels
0: hmm.
1: two different media sources that are, are on the same side well done <laughs> it's like what have you really learned go see both sides hear both sides and think critically for yourself someone gives you advice, think critically, see, okay, would this actually apply and add value to me if I was to do it? What would the outcomes be? Yada, 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 yada. Just mm. think for yourself. Mm. Relating to that.
0: I agree, man. I agree. What's three words you tell your younger self?
1: Follow your heart. It's mm. what I shared earlier. But it relates to so many different things and at the deepest part of it, the reason why I share that deep down, I wanted to actually talk about my emotions. Really. I wanted, I wanted support, but like, I felt like I couldn't. Yeah. I didn't know how to talk about it. No one was talking about it. It was something that was so swept under the rug. If I followed my heart, I might've had a supportive network. If I followed my heart, I would have been doing something that was actually, meaningful to me. I wouldn't have I I I might have still gone to the gym for different reasons. Yeah. I wouldn't have been eating and training to like the extremes. Or all for this one image to post on Facebook. If I followed my heart, maybe I'd leading I'd be leading my days, you know, with happiness and fulfillment.
0: Yeah. That's powerful, man. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much.
1: Bro, it's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for in- inviting me. Seriously,
0: Nah oh, dude, I think um, if you provide people with, you know, an open environment and a little bit of time, usually people have something quite interesting to say, and and I love hearing stories, man. And there's always wiz- wisdom le- laced within it, even if it takes hindsight to be able to see it. Right, <laughs> unfortunately, human beings might be smart, but we're also fucking dumb. So um, we have to make those uh make those mistakes to be able to learn from it and then pass it on to other people. Right. And I just, I just want to say, thank you for sharing that story. You know, you can say whatever you want to me, but you don't have to say anything. There's no expectations ever. Um, but I just want to say thank you because I know you would have helped a lot of people.
1: I appreciate you, man. And for the platform you're, you're hosting, you as well are inviting people to see more of who they are. Of what's possible for them and yeah what they could apply in their life so thank you as well
0: thank you brother yeah i mean it's just an open conversation right anyone's welcome to jump on in and talk a little bit of shit and listen in so again thank you brother all right we'll uh we'll talk soon
1: sounds good alex i appreciate you man thank
0: you very thanks much. man bye everybody